0: This is the Thoughts From a Page podcast, which is now a member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each episode I interview authors about their latest works. For more book recommendations, check out my earlier episodes and my website, thoughtsfromapage.com, and follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Thoughts From a Page. Today I am interviewing Samia Dave about What a Happy Family. Samia is an author, resident psychiatrist, and co founder of This Is For Her. Her writing has been featured in the New York Times. Huffington Post, Refinery29, and others. Taylor Jenkins Reid, New York Times bestselling author of Daisy Jones and the Six, raves that What a Happy Family is a full, big-hearted novel. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi there. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. Welcome, Samia. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing well also, and I'm really looking forward to talking about What a Happy Family. Thank you. I'm so excited. Why don't we start out with you telling me a little bit about it?
1: Sure. So What a Happy Family is about a boisterous South Asian family from Atlanta, Georgia, and what happens to them after a scandal and the ways that they break apart and also how they come back together. Each member of this family is also navigating mental health in their own way. So ultimately, it's a book about
0: how the ones closest to us can help us heal and can also sometimes hurt us. I love that you took on mental health. I think that is an important topic always, but I think it's a really important topic after the last year and a half, and I was just so happy to have that be a significant portion of what your story was focused on and talking about.
1: Thank you so much. It's something that I've always seen discussed or not discussed. You know, I've seen it discussed or avoided growing up. So, I've always been so fascinated not just by mental health, but the ways we do and don't talk about it and I really was craving a book that explored it through fiction and through a family. And what's often driven my writing is that central need. If I want to read something and I can't find it, then I think, well, maybe I can write it and put it out there. So I really do appreciate that. You're filling the gap that needs to be filled. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I think I've, I, I have seen so much more dialogue
0: about mental health in the recent years, and I'm very appreciative of that and, and inspired too. It's funny that you say that because I don't ever remember that being a discussion when I was growing up. You know, if there were issues, people didn't really talk about them. They didn't talk about seeing therapists, at least not in my family. I'm sure people were elsewhere. But it was not something that my friends and their families, you know, any of us really discussed. But And so definitely it has become more common and more acceptable and all of that to have those conversations. But you still don't see it a ton in fiction in the way that you addressed it.
1: Well, thank you. I agree with you. It wasn't something that was openly discussed while I was growing up either and definitely nobody was talking about I'm going to go see my therapist, I'm going to go do these things for my mental well-being and I, I just was craving a story that explored it and I think there's so many different ways to explore that journey because everyone's journey is different so every character's journey will be different. But I hope we see more and more fiction and of course nonfiction that that covers it.
0: I agree. And I think you're right, because I also think different people need different things to help them with their mental health. You know, where like going for a walk for me or listening to music or reading a book would be something that would be calming to me. For somebody else, it could be something totally different.
1: Oh, I love that. That's something that was emphasized in my training as a psychiatrist all the time, exactly what you said, that each person is different, their backstory is different, and what they're going home to is different. So their treatment should be personalized to them, and it might look different even at different times in their lives. So yes.
0: That's a good point too. I hadn't even thought about that in terms of different points in your life, but that's exactly right. Like when you have a young baby, things are going to be very different than when you have an 18-year-old or if you're not married yet or not married at all and choosing not to be. Whatever it is.
1: Yes, yes, totally. And I think I think again that's why I'm just so happy to see more people talking about it. I'm hoping that we get to a point someday where we talk about it in the same way we talk about our physical health and we can say, oh, I needed to go talk to this person about this in the same way we could say, oh, well, I have a history, a family history of high blood pressure. So I need to get that checked out. So I hope we get there. But absolutely, I think that even as a new mom, the challenges and the adventures that I went through in the first year of new motherhood were so different than, than I had in my first year married. So what I would have wanted to talk about and explore and learn and dig through would have just been so different. I think that's exactly right. Well, how about your setting? How did you choose Atlanta? So I grew up in Atlanta. I grew up in a suburb right outside of Atlanta. And, you know, one of the things I love about it is just the blend of different cultures. So there are many different South Asian communities there. And there's also Southern culture. And actually, the South Asian culture and Southern culture have certain things in common. And then there are certain differences as well. But I love this emphasis on family and food. It was something that was just such a big part of my life growing up. And also my debut was set in New York, which was the city that I had dreamt of living in my entire life. Every time I saw a movie set there, I thought, oh, someday, someday older Somme will live there. But I really wanted to set a story back at home, especially because throughout 2020, my husband, son, and I lived with my family with four generations of people ranging from ages three months to 95 years. And Atlanta just felt like the right place to capture this family in the book.
0: I think that's a fascinating point that you make—that the South Asian culture really overlaps some with Southern culture, and some of the things they share, and some ways they're different.
1: Oh yes, I, I I found that growing up when friends and I would speak, you know, we would say, "Oh, in in both of our different worlds, we have this emphasis on family, and we have this emphasis on cooking food for the people you love, and for community, and being together, and being really proud of some of our traditions." and I just always found that so interesting. And then, you know, there are, of course, differences as well. I think being a daughter of immigrants and being an immigrant myself, there can sometimes be this desire to hold on to the community of origin. So for my parents, that was Indian culture. And there was very much this idea that, okay, now we've moved here. And so we have to prove ourselves here. And there's no room for imperfection or showing any sort of struggle. So in that way, I would say, I think that in my immediate South Asian community, vulnerability is something we're still learning and we're still grappling with and we're still trying to explore. And I didn't see that so much in the Southern community, at least where I was from.
0: I think with the immigrant experience, and obviously you can speak to this a lot better than I can, but it seems to be there a lot of times there's a balance between wanting to maintain some of your own culture, but also wanting to kind of feel like you're fitting in with the majority. Would you say that's Right.
1: Absolutely. And I think that push and pull happens throughout our lives. And it can change, really. I think, you know, growing up, my friends and I, we very much wanted to feel as though we belonged. And my parents, I think I saw them kind of caught between the two that, oh, how do we strike this balance between holding on to our roots, but then also making sure that we're assimilating and that we're, we're embracing this new culture that we're also a part of, And now as I am a new mom, I actually see things a little bit more similar to my parents where I'm thinking, well, how can I give my son some of the cultures of my parents and my grandparents, but then also help him embrace the world that he's in, which is different from the one I was brought in. So I think
0: that push and pull and that dance shifts throughout our lives, but I totally agree with how you defined it. I think that's right. And especially as teenagers, because it's such a unique time in life and really almost all teenagers just want to fit in. Mm-hmm. So they're they're happy to, to kind of do what it takes within reason, obviously, to fit in. And they're not as worried about origins, heritage, all of that. But as you get older, you realize the importance of a lot of that more, I think.
1: Yes, absolutely. I I hear you about wanting to fit in. I remembered when I was growing up, I thought I will fit in if I have blonde hair and blue eyes. That's how I will (laughs) fit in. And I read, not read, I I binged the Sweet Valley High series. I loved those books. And I remember thinking these twin sisters, Jessica and Elizabeth Wakefield, they represent who I want to be. So definitely that, that wanting to fit in was such an overarching theme in my own life. And in my books, I hope that, I explore that idea of belonging so that any reader picking it up feels like it's okay to to not feel okay.
0: Right. And that that's most likely how a lot of people are feeling.
1: Yes, that you're not
0: alone. Exactly. Well, what was the highlight of writing What a Happy Family?
1: So the highlight was actually the evolution, I would say. It first started out as a book about a woman navigating psychiatry residency. I thought it would be a work fiction type of book. I had been reading The Devil Wears Prada and all these different books set in workplaces. And that was really the central spot where all the conflict was happening. And then when my husband and son and I were living with my family for the whole year, I realized I'm trying to write about the relationships that define us and about how when we're put in certain roles, we often can stay in those roles when we're back with those people again. I found myself regressing into an angsty teenager within days of getting back to my parents' house. I think at one point I was writing in my journal and listening to music from the 90s. So it really okay, that's felt like hilarious. A time
0: capsule. <laughs> Your husband's like, what is going on?
1: He he definitely he definitely was. I I am so grateful for him for embracing all of myself, no matter how old they may have been throughout the past year. But I I just really was so interested by how we define people and what does it take for us to see people we love as holistic and outside of those roles and. There were some conversations which really helped with writing the book where my family, my siblings, my parents and I, we would talk about the same memory. So we would talk about a family vacation or a time we went out to eat, and we would all take away something different from it. And I was fascinated that wow, how can I look back at this moment and think everybody else had the same experience, but actually depending on how my brother and sister felt they were treated or viewed, whatever it was, they took away something completely different. And I think that really helped me gain a better understanding of them as people holistically.
0: I have three children. And what you're saying is exactly what happens in our household. And I mean, I think (laughs) there are two issues here. There are memory because everybody's memory is different because all they can do is process whatever happened through themselves as they view what happened. But also, I think you create these, I don't even know what it is, family dynamics or roles that each child plays. And so mm-hmm. they really view it in light of where they feel their role is in the family, if that makes sense.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think, um, so family systems theory is operating on that exact principle that you've said, that we fall into roles with our family and we, we fill those when we're back with them. I'm, I'm the oldest and I'm, I'm the daughter. And so when I'm back home, even though I'm in my mid thirties now and my brother and sister are adults, I would say, Hey, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. And they would say, you're not our boss anymore. That was when you were five. <laughs> and so, yes, I hear you about that. And I also think it's so interesting as we've grown up as kids, we start sometimes sounding like parents to our parents. And so yes. my parents started saying, oh, it's so nice. You, you don't want us to go out driving late and you don't want us to eat this and you want us to sleep more. The, imagine how we felt all these years. And I thought, wow, this, there's so much going on with the rules here. And it's fascinating.
0: Well, I do say that sometimes that I have six kids because I laugh <laughs> that my husband is my fourth kid. And then I have both my parents that I'm now helping out with. And so I'm like, whoa, okay, six to one. That's a lot. That's but a lot. But it is true. You, you start to tell them, okay, you need to be doing this. And sometimes they need it. I mean, my dad has Alzheimer's. And so, you know, I'm, I am actually having to be in that role of, okay, we need to do this now. We need to do that now. But it is kind of, it's, it's interesting and it's, it's kind of weird when it shifts.
1: Of course, of course, it really, it really is. And it can, it can kind of be overwhelming too, I think, especially if that shift comes in a shorter period of time and whatnot. So absolutely, I think you can bring up so many different
0: emotions. I think that's right. Well, how long did it take you to write this book? This book I
1: wrote in one year, my debut took over a decade and um, really was such a learning process. But this book, uh, I was on a contract and very lucky to have a two book deal. And so I had to turn it in by a certain point after my debut was released. And that was good, actually. I think that pressure with the deadline helped me get it done during an otherwise pretty, pretty busy time.
0: And how do you balance it all, a young child, your job as a psychiatrist, and your job as a writer? So I, I, last
1: year, over the past year, I did not balance it at all. I, I actually wrote the book in the middle of the night because that was the only time where I felt I wasn't a, interrupted at all, and I didn't feel the guilt of not being with my baby when I wasn't doing any clinical work. If I could go back to that version of myself, I would say it's okay to sleep and get your rest and take your time. And I I would maybe actually do things differently. So I do, you know, I'm proud of myself for finishing it in that time, but I do think it's so important for all of us to take time to care for ourselves and to get the things we need for our bodies to feel restored and to feel present really.
0: Well, I think sometimes the pressure kind of overlays everything else. And so you're thinking, okay, I've got a deadline. I'm thrilled to pieces. I have this book deal. I need to get it done no yes, matter what. Absolutely. And of course, silly little pesky thing like COVID showed up.
1: Yes. I think, I mean, obviously COVID took a toll on everyone in, in different ways for sure. And for, for me, it was really, I felt like everything in my life was just blended into one place. And, and there was so much overlap. And I didn't have strict boundaries between clinical work and then writing and and motherhood and all those different things. Now, actually, we do have full-time childcare. So I'm able to split my time equally between writing and seeing patients. But you know, I have to be honest, this is the first time I felt an equal split between both of my careers. Even when I was in medical school and residency, I was just stealing scraps of time to write in in order to get writing done. So it's nice to feel that way now.
0: Well, and I think most people find it hard enough to balance one career and their children and you have two careers and <laughs> a child. So you're, I'm sure you're feeling pulled in a lot of directions.
1: Oh, definitely. I thought I had all these grand visions of how I'd be as a new mother. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to make all these great organic meals from scratch. And I'm always going to be laughing and so laid back and just so fun. And, and of course, I was hit with a very needed reality check of how much work it is and how much it really takes. And in, in, in the best ways, too. And so I think that was a good lesson for me, too, is that it's good to accept limitations and and, and kind of step into new roles in life with, with no
0: expectations and to just really see what they're about. I like that. Well, what about the title for your book? How did you come up with that? I always love to talk about titles and covers because I really feel like so much goes into them and they're, they're way more important than a lot of people realize. So I'd love to hear about the journey for both the title and the cover.
1: Oh, sure. Uh, So the cover was done by my incredible publisher. So the Berkeley artists did the cover and I just thought it was beautiful. They actually sent multiple options for the cover and both my agent and then my editor as well. We all just immediately jumped to this one because we thought the blending of the colors was just so beautiful and so vibrant and represented the different personalities that hopefully come through for a reader when they're taking in this story. As far as the title, it actually came from Indian weddings. So, one time um, around the time when I was getting married, I actually went to a friend's wedding, and she and her, she was a bride, and she and her mom had gotten into an argument about the order to take the professional photos at the end of the ceremony. And but the photographer was really great and said, "Okay, everybody, just smile. Don't argue. Everybody, smile." And right when the photographer took the picture, she said, "What a happy family!" And they all smiled, and I realized in one of my fun three AM feedings in the middle of the night over the past year with my son, that memory came to me, and I thought, okay, that was that was a fun phrase. That would be a great title for this book.
0: It is a great title, and it's a little different. Like I, that's why I was kind of curious. I'm like. I wonder how that came about. I think it's perfect and I really like it and it's easy to remember, but it's a little different, I think.
1: It is a little different. Yeah, thank you. I I appreciate hearing that because I agree it is. It's definitely different. Um, For well-behaved Indian women, my husband actually thought of that title. So this one, I'm happy that at least I did, but (laughs) it's
0: different. Was that your title from the beginning? Well,
1: I I toyed around with um, different words at first. So at first I thought of such a happy family. This is such a great family. What a good family. So it came after some iterations of that. And then when that memory came to mind, I thought, oh, this is what I was trying to get to. But I always wanted the word family and a descriptor of the family in the title because I thought that that really encapsulated the tone of the book. It really does. What about what you're working on next? Would you like to speak a little bit about that? Sure. I'm working on my third book, and it's about new motherhood. Surprise. It's about uh, new motherhood from the lens of a CEO and founder of a startup. And it really explores that first year of new motherhood and came from, again, a central question, which was, what, what, what do we do with a woman who wants to go after everything she wants? How do we treat that type of woman as a world? I've been doing a lot of reading, especially with the pandemic, about emotional labor, mental load, this, uh, the second shift, and parental leave, and all these different things that that affect mothers, and then, of course, affect families and communities because they're all tied. And I really wanted to see that through a character in a book.
0: How has that been to write? Because I think that's such a fascinating topic. And it was debated and discussed some during the pandemic, but I feel like we're really starting to see more stories about that now, the brunt that women bore during all of this. Yes,
1: absolutely. I, I agree with you. I think we we are seeing more and more. And that's another topic that I'm so glad people are talking about because I know in conversations with my mom, you know, she would say, we didn't talk about this growing up. Nobody came to me and said, hey, you need to take your self-care for yourself right now. Or, oh, is your mental load overwhelming? Those <laughs> terms were not part of the daily dialogue for her. And so I'm, I'm very happy to see that shift for sure. It's been An interesting journey writing this one so far because I'm having to revisit a lot of topics that are tough to read as a woman and as a mother and just a member of the world because I still see how much work we have left to do to advocate for women and women's health, especially around that postpartum period. So it's a push and pull. I think that it's really nice to visit this character and explore this world, but but also at times I definitely get a lot of different emotions coming up because I read about different policies or the origins of things and,
0: and, and different types of ideas and how they came to be today. That makes sense. I'm sure some of it probably makes you angry. Yes. It makes me angry yes. when I read about it. Speaking of that
1: word anger, that's another thing I'm so fascinated about is women's anger and how it can be stigmatized and how it can sometimes bring shame because girls and women aren't always told to embrace their anger. And I think specifically when it comes to maternal rage and postpartum rage and and everything in that spectrum. Anger is just such a fascinating thing to, to look at, and I'm hoping to explore that more with this character because there, there is a lot to be angry about. And then what we do with that anger and how people treat us when we have that anger also affects a lot.
0: Well, yes, because women get labeled hysterical yes. or whatever it is when they're angry versus if a man is upset, everybody pays attention immediately.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. I actually wrote a chapter the other day where the main character <laughs> – feels as though when her husband changes their baby's diaper, he gets a red carpet rolled out. So she actually envisions uh, him giving an Oscars acceptance speech for changing the diaper. Whereas when she does
0: it, everybody says, oh, yeah, okay, you're just doing your job. Yeah. Okay. I absolutely (laughs) love that. Because what I was just going to say was, I agree with you on the mental health for women being a focus. But what really, I find so frustrating, and I know they're tied together, but it's what you just described. Like, I unload and load the dishwasher. I do 8,000 loads of laundry. I do whatever else it is. And that is just part of what I'm supposed to be doing. But if my husband unloads a dishwasher, he's like, I unloaded the dishwasher. And I'm like, (laughs) yay, you. Yeah,
1: congrats.
0: (laughs) You know, he expects some kind of thing. I took the trash out. I'm like, oh my God, if I narrated my day all day like this, everybody'd be like, what in the heck are you doing? So, you know, it's just kind of interesting to see that even when we're all dealing with all these variety of things, it's still essentially my job to be doing these things. And if I am narrating what I'm doing, everybody would think I was nuts, but he feels, I mean, and I love my husband to death and he is helpful, but I'm like, you don't have to tell me every time you unload the dishwasher. I will be able to tell.
1: <laughs> I totally, I hear you. And I think there is more coming out about the impact of caregiving on a person. And it's usually a woman around the world. Women are doing the caregiving for you know their kids and then also their parents and other people in their families and communities. And it it definitely takes an impact because it's thought to just be done. It's both essential and also overlooked. And so yes, it's I I agree with you. When when a man does these chores, it it does seem cause for announcement, even though, you know, women are doing this all the time and I don't I'm not hearing them talk about it all the time.
0: (laughs) And you probably would think it was strange if they were. I mean, you know, like we're just not really used to being like, well, I just um, folded the clothes and now I have, you know, wiped down the counters. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, it, it would be weird. Yes. <laughs> well, hopefully there is going to be some change around that at some point.
1: Yes, I really do hope so. I've seen, you know, I've seen some stuff in the policy stamp from the policy standpoint. And then I've been reading kind of other advocacy books around it. I know one book I read last year that covered it really well was E. Rozky's Fair Play where she goes through the division of labor in a house and actually divides it into specific concrete tasks and then helps couples navigate those and divide them. But even having things out there like that is so different from what I saw growing up. I I don't think my parents had tools like that to have those types of conversations.
0: I agree completely. And I think you're right. It's just going to take some time like anything does. And at least we're starting to see books on it fiction, nonfiction articles, you know, everybody's beginning to understand that there needs to be a change, or at least some people are beginning to understand that there needs to be a change. Totally. Well, good. Well, before we wrap up, why don't you tell me what you've read recently that you really liked?
1: Sure. So I've recently finished a memoir by Maya Lang called What We Carry. It's a beautiful story about her and her mother, who was a practicing psychiatrist throughout her career and then starts having memory loss so the book really covers Maya's relationship as she becomes a mother and then also as she starts to take care of her mother. It's very moving. And I, I just thought it was so well-written and I'm so excited to see whatever she writes next. And then I started The Other Black Girl by Zakia Delilah Harris and love it. It's about racism within the publishing industry and friendship and just covers all of these really great important topics, but also somehow has humor integrated throughout. So I'm just so excited to keep reading that one. And I've already gotten two copies for some
0: friends. I've heard great things about both of those.
1: Oh, great. Yay.
0: Well, I'm so glad you joined me on the Thoughts from a Page podcast today. And I can't wait for everybody to read What a Happy Family.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation and all of your work.
0: Well, thank you thank you so much for listening to my podcast if you like this episode and i hope you did please follow me on instagram at thoughts from a page tell all of your friends about the podcast and rate it or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts i would really appreciate it what a happy family can be purchased at the conversations from a page bookshop storefront and the link is in the show notes i hope you'll tune in next time